All right. Yeah, that was that was good. You know, we talk a lot about about being family, and um, family t- takes time. Is it one way of saying it? Another way of saying it is over time we develop deeper and deeper relationships, and so. Um, so for those of you that are, are new here but wanting family, I'm saying stick around because it just gets better and better and better. Um, but it's hard. The, the so long for nows are hard. Um, but this is why the joy of being with each other forever is a real thing. It's real. So we're, we're, um, all the goodbyes we say now, they're all temporary. Ah, well, I'm going to turn right around and introduce Kara again. Um, because because uh, I want to, because time is marching on. And so, um, uh, but Cara, um, tell me, Cara, when when did you first come to Blazing Fire? Uh, I think it was 2006, 2007. Okay, 2006 or so. So about 13 years-ish, something like that, 12, 13 years. And um, m- many of you know this, but Cara uh, was mostly in the education system, for most of her working and, and was a principal uh, at some elementary schools, a vice principal at, at, um, at, at a high school, all, all in this area. I'm sure I'm not listing everything, but I'm just saying. But what's been great is, is, is Carr is one of those that, um, like we got to hear so many stories of how people would be in her office. You know what happens. You know, kids make their way to the office of the VP and stuff and the principal. And uh, But just where... Because she has such a heart, she has Jesus' heart, she would have all these encounters with these people and bring the love of Jesus into the situations, into the families, bring calm where the families are getting freaked out, you know. Wouldn't she want to have a principal or a vice principal like Kara? <laughs> I, I would. And this, and this is why we keep saying also, everything that you're gleaning and receiving, this is for you wherever you go, whatever you're doing. And, um, and God wants to use it in all the different spheres of society. This is not just a, you know, a Saturday night thing. I love Saturday nights. I'm grateful because I need, I need you all, and I, I love worshiping with you. And then we all have the next six days you know, where we go and be Jesus everywhere. So that was a long introduction. But let me just say that I'm so thrilled. Two weeks ago I asked Cara if she would preach tonight. And... Uh, and <laughs> and we need that. Is this going to hold the weight? I don't know. Let's get a better one, Russ. So um, she's so full of light and love. And so welcome, Cara Holty. <laughs> Thank you. Ooh, it doesn't hold it. Oh, yay. Yeah, Thank so. you. Thank you. Thank you, family. Oh, it's so good to be here. Oh, thanks. Maybe I can have that one, too. This is when I taught. I had my stuff all over the place. (laughs) Seems familiar. Okay. I just honor honor you, Brent and Suzanne, Russ and Susan, all the people that have have been here, Um, all of you who have poured into me, so thank you. I wanted to talk about the simplicity and the grace of salvation. And um, salvation 
you know, in Matthew one twenty one. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, which means Yeshua, which means Savior. When we say Jesus, we're saying Savior. He will save his people from their sins. That means he's preventing them from failing and missing the true end and scope of life, which is God. So Yeshua, Jesus, Savior. Mm, so, um, my own salvation I want to talk about. Um, as a girl, I, I going to Sunday school in a Methodist church uh, down the street from where I grew up in, in Minnesota. And I, I like Sunday school. I remember one Sunday school teacher telling us that God can hear your prayers even in your head. And that just intrigued me and made me so happy. Uh, I don't know why, but it's just that I could communicate with God at any time. And he would hear me. Uh, I don't remember hearing about the gospel per se uh, at that Methodist church. We knew God was love. um, The people are the church. You know, those types of things. Uh, But in... There was, uh, it was in the 70s, so there was renewal happening. Looking back, there was a whole uh, bunch of us uh, teenagers that were saved around the same time. Um, Now, so we're going back to the Holy Spirit and angels orchestrating things. And we'll see that in a couple of the stories and acts that we're going to hit. Uh, but in 1973, I know this, when I was 13, I went to a Billy Graham crusade. And this is the actual crusade that I went to. This is at the, um, the state fairgrounds in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And I, you know, hearing the gospel, hearing the message, hearing that, we, that there's a disconnect between us and God until we call to him, until we repent and ask him that we have to admit that we need, that we need him, that, we, that it, we can't do it on our own. And hearing Billy Graham say that, but you know the Holy Spirit was working. And later on when I... I did some volunteering for a Billy Graham crusade many, many years later in Minneapolis. We met, started meeting a year prior to the actual um, crusade. And one thing we were told was, pick three people and start praying for them. And so I did. And one was a neighbor of mine that was on my heart. She came to the Lord in that year. You know, it wasn't necessarily the crusade, but she came to the Lord. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray for our loved ones. And we pray for the ones that our neighbors and our friends that you bring to us. We pray that Holy Spirit and your angels bring them around to salvation. So Billy Graham said, you know, leave your friends, they'll wait for you, come down to the front, and throngs of us did. 
such a such a beautiful thing. Within four years or so, I was still going to the Methodist church, and there was Bill and Mary, and they had the brightest eyes I had ever seen and the greatest love on their faces. And what was going on at that time was the Lutheran renewal, the charismatic renewal, um, or the renewal of the Holy Spirit, and that was later in the 1970s. And um, Bill and Mary invited my mom and I to go to a conference on the Holy Spirit at a church on the north end of Minneapolis. And there I heard, I think Mary told me, she told me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and that I could get prayed, I could receive the Holy Spirit, that there would be people there to pray with us, that I could learn about it. And I said, what, what do you mean there's more? There's, that, no one has told me this. <laughs> and I was so excited. We went. And what I remember is you were talking about hearing strange things or seeing strange things. I, you know, I heard people praying in tongues. I heard and saw different things. But what I really saw and heard was the love and the unity and the beauty that was going on. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit calls us, before we were saved, Holy Spirit's in our life. Holy Spirit's in your family's life right now. He is working. Angels are surrounding your family right now, bringing them around and around to salvation. If I could just thank you, Brent, for bringing this to uh, angels by Roland Buck. It says, many Christians have been praying for the unsaved loved ones in their families. When the angel brought me the message that their prayers had already been answered, I thought, does this mean that they are already saved? No. God does not mean he'll violate the free right of choice he has given, but it does mean he is going to do everything necessary to bring people to the point where it will be easy for them to make the choice to serve him. And it... um, talks about the angels coming back again and again and again and again. So if you've put your if you've raised your family up in prayer, remember the, you and your household will be saved. I want to hit Acts, uh, the healing at the beautiful gate. Mm. Let me just grab this. Acts 3. One afternoon, Peter and John went to the temple, the 3 o'clock prayer. As they came to the entrance called the Beautiful Gate, they were captured by the sight of a man crippled from birth, being carried in place at the entrance to the temple. He was often brought there to beg for money from those going in to worship. When he noticed Peter and John going to the temple, he begged them for money. Peter and John, looking straight into the eyes of the crippled man, said, Look at us. Expecting a gift, he readily gave them his attention. Then Peter said, I don't have money, but I'll give you this. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Peter held out his right hand to the crippled man. As he pulled the man to his feet, suddenly power surged into his crippled feet and ankles. 
The man jumped up, stood there for a moment stunned, and began to walk around. And he went into the temple courts with Peter and John. He leapt for joy and shouted praises to God. When all the people saw him jumping up and down and heard him glorifying God, they realized it was the crippled beggar they had passed by in the front of the beautiful gate. Astonishment swept over the crowd, for they were amazed over what had happened. Dumbfounded over what they had witnessed, the crowd ran over to Peter and John, who were standing under the covered walkway called Solomon's Porch. Standing also was the healed beggar clinging to Peter and John. Isn't that sweet? He's just hanging out with them. (laughs) With the crowd surrounding him, Peter said to them, People of Israel, listen to me. And here comes the gospel. You know, the gospel comes with with miracles around it, the Holy Spirit around it. You know, it makes people interested. Why do you stare at us? We didn't make this crippled man walk by our own power or authority. The God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has done this. For he has glorified his servant, Jesus, the one you denied to Pilate's face. You rejected the one who is holy and righteous and instead begged for the murderer to be released. You killed the prince of life. But God raised him from the dead. Faith in Jesus' name, that's that's where the turning point is. Faith in Jesus' name, Yeshua, Savior, has healed this man standing before you. It is faith that comes through believing in Jesus' name that has made the crippled man walk right in front of your eyes. Uh, And he goes, and now, and here it is, and now you must repent and turn back to God so that your sins will be removed. And here's the promise that Bill said today. Times of refreshing will stream from the Lord's presence. I bless you all with these times of refreshing in the Lord's presence. Oh, Jesus, we turn back to you and you give us refreshing. Thank you, Jesus. So I just... Oh, next. (laughs) Peter and Cornelius. This made me cry the other morning, all day long almost, every time I, I read about Peter and Cornelius. Such a beautiful, let's see what God has for us today in it. There's a couple things going on. Again, it involves the Holy Spirit and angels, a man who's praying like this second grader who didn't know Jesus quite, but loved God. Um, they said we uh, bring Jesus first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. Cornelius happens to be the first Gentile that comes to Jesus in this way in Acts. So I'll read to you. At that time, there was a Roman military officer... Cornelius, who was in charge of 100 men stationed in Caesarea. He was the captain of the Italian regiment, a devout man of extraordinary character who worshipped God and prayed regularly, together with all his family. He also had a heart for the poor and gave generously to help them. 
Oh, how God loves people who love people. He loves them all. But he, he, was, he saw Cornelius. One afternoon, about 3 o'clock, he had an open vision and saw, this was Cornelius, had a, he saw the angel of God appear right in front of him, calling out his name, Cornelius. Startled, he was overcome with fear by the sight of the angel. He said, what do you want, Lord? The angel said, all of your prayers and your generosity to the poor have ascended before God as an eternal offering. Now send some men to Joppa at once. Have them find a man called Simon the Rock, who is staying as a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Meanwhile, um, Peter is, has no idea of any of this, and he is up, up, upstairs having a vision of, let me read, um, this is 10.9. The next day around noon, as Cornelius' men were approaching Joppa, Peter went up to the flat roof of the house to pray. He was hungry and wanted to eat, but while lunch was being prepared, he fell into a trance and entered into another realm. As the heavenly realm... Oh, Jesus, thank you. We thank you for the heavenly realm that we, you have invited us here to come and be in. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that this is for today. Thank you. As the heavenly realm opened up, he saw something resembling a large linen tablecloth that descended from above, being let down to the earth by its four corners. As it floated down, he saw that it held many kinds of four-footed animals, reptiles, and wild birds. A voice said to him, Peter, go and prepare them to be eaten. He had no idea what this was meant, what this was about. Peter replied, There's no way I could do that, Lord, for I've never eaten anything forbidden or impure according to our Jewish laws. The voice spoke again. Nothing is unclean if God declares it to be clean. The vision was repeated three times. Then suddenly the linen sheet was snatched back into heaven. Peter was so stunned by the vision that he couldn't stop wondering about what it all meant. So meanwhile, Cornelius' men, and remember the angel had told Cornelius about this, go get this guy. He doesn't say what he's going to tell him, but he said, go get him. That's happening. Peter's upstairs. He's trying to figure this out. And as Peter was in deep thought, trying to interpret the vision, the spirit said to him, go downstairs now, for three men are looking for you. Don't hesitate to go with them, because I have sent them. Peter did not have the plan. He did not know what was happening. He was into his vision, and, you know, for me, being, you know, spiritual, and God says, okay, time to go downstairs. Peter went downstairs to the men and said, I believe I'm the one you're looking for. What brings you here? They answered, we serve Cornelius, a Roman military captain who sent us to find you. He is a devout man of the highest integrity who worships God and is respected throughout the Jewish community. 
He was divinely instructed through the appearance of an angel to summon you to his home and to listen to the message that you will bring him. Here is the gospel to the Gentiles. Ah, boy. So the next day, you know, they had to stay overnight because I think it was 31 miles away or something like that. The next day they arrived in Caesarea where Cornelius was waiting anxiously for them and he gathered together all his relatives and close friends. The moment Peter walked in the door, Cornelius fell at his feet to worship him. But Peter pulled him up to his feet and said, Stand up, for I'm only a man and no different from you. That's an interesting comment. All this time before, there was a difference. He was Jewish, and that was an unclean Gentile. He says, I'm no different than you. They talked together and then went inside, and Peter found a large gathering awaiting to hear his words. And, it, you know, it's, it's the gospel is transferred many times by words from us to, to somebody else. Peter said to them, You all know that it's against the Jewish laws for me to associate with or even visit the home of one who is not a Jew. Yet God has shown me that I should never view anyone as inferior or ritually unclean. So then he got the understanding, didn't he? <laughs> so when you sent for me, I came without objection. Now may I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius told the story about how he was fasting and how an angel came and had God had heard his prayers, but sending for but he must send for Simon the rock. And you're kind enough to come, he says. And now here we are. We're waiting. What is the message? And Peter said, now I know for certain that God doesn't show favoritism with people, but treats everyone on the same basis. It makes no difference what race of people one belongs to. If they show deep reverence for God and are committed to doing what's right, they are acceptable before him. God sent his word to the Jewish people first, Announcing the wonderful news of hope and peace through Jesus, the Anointed One, the Lord of all. You are well aware of all that began in Galilee and spread throughout the land of Israel immediately after John preached his message of baptism. And later he says, And not only us, but all of the prophets agree in their writings that everyone who believes in him, Jesus Yeshua the Savior. Everyone who believes in him receives complete forgiveness of sins through the power of his name. Thank you, Jesus. And while, here's the Holy Spirit. While Peter was speaking, the Holy Spirit cascaded over all those listening to his message. (laughs) You speak the word, the Holy Spirit's there. You speak the word, the angels are there. The Jewish brothers who had accompanied Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on the people who weren't Jews, for they heard them speaking in supernaturally given languages and passionately praising God. 
And Peter said, how could anyone object to these people being baptized? First they got the Holy Spirit, then he said, You've got, you know, how can you object to them being baptized? They gave what, the, what Jesus promised. I'll go away, and when I go, I'll send the Holy Spirit to you. So he instructed them to be baptized in the power of the name of Jesus, the Anointed One. And after their baptism, they asked Peter to stay with them for a few more days. Well, this Acts eleven, fifteen through seventeen. Um, I think I'll go to the next one, which is when they heard this. Their objections were put to rest, and they had all glorified God, saying, "Look what God has done! He's giving the gift." Gift of repentance? The gift of repentance that leads to life to people who aren't even Jews. They saw it. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. How are we on time? Time? I don't know. Okay, okay. Okay, so that, that was when there are many salvations and healings, which is a type of salvation in Acts. Uh, there are many crowds like uh, Billy Graham that they all came to Jesus or to repentance and to know God. Here's another one, though, that I'd like to, to highlight was the jailer. So there's a short little YouTube As Paul and Silas were going to a place of prayer, they were met by a slave girl who had an evil spirit by which she was able to predict the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and Silas shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many, many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and he said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the evil spirit left the girl. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of money-making was gone, they captured Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They told the officials, These men are Jews, and they are throwing our city into an uproar by teaching customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the officials ordered them to be beaten and thrown into jail. The jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet to the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains were broken. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, 
believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house, and he set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Paul and Silas were released from prison and left in peace. I love that. Uh, Do you know when God's Spirit comes into a place, chains are broken? (laughs) Every time. Every time. So when the jailer called for the light, he saw that they were still in their cells. He said, what must I do to be saved? And they answered, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your family. That's such a promise. Then they prophesied the word of the Lord over him and all his family. Even though the hour was late, he washed their wounds. Then he and his family were baptized. He took Paul and Silas into his home and set them at his table and fed them. The jailer and all his family were filled with joy in their newfound faith in God. There was um, the other morning when I was uh, sitting down and um, asking God what he wanted me to say to you. This had come, and I want to read it for you. Um, Tell them that I love them, that I love their families. Salvation is theirs. I have prepared a way. It is my grace that draws them and grace that saves them. Nothing is impossible with me. I have great love for individual souls, no matter what their station is, their past. People see barriers to their loved one's salvation. I don't want them to look at it that way. My love can stand, nothing can stand before my great love. That beautiful picture, is it by Akiana, of Jesus' eyes and his love. He loves, he loves you, and he loves your family so much. Know that the Holy Spirit is, is with those in your family, that the angels are surrounding them. And if I could pray with you about your family. If you would um, see, see your family or see that one person right now coming to see Jesus. Chains falling off. Jesus' great love permeating any any issues that they've had, any hurts, any uh, addictions, any separations from you, 
any rebellion that Jesus sees their their heart and he loves them he is the good shepherd he leaves the 99 to go for your one he loves that one that you love he loves the many but he goes heart to heart to his children. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is active. And nothing can separate us from the love of God, neither height nor depth. Jesus can be in the darkest cell. We can be hidden. We could be lost to those who love us, but we're not lost to you. Our loved ones are not lost to you. You find them. You put them on your shoulders, and you bring them back. So this Christmas, when our heart goes out to family and loved ones that we've prayed for for a long time, or we don't see that things have moving, Jesus, nothing is impossible with you. This is your heart. This is your heart to gather your children and set them free and giving them life. I thank you, Jesus. Peace to you. Peace to you. Thank you, Jesus. If there's anybody here tonight that has been running from God or has been trying to run to God but doesn't know how quite to, to get there, I just would invite you to We'll have people up here praying, but you can come up. And anybody who's up here can pray with you. And you can say just from your heart, Jesus, I know I don't have it together. I need you. I need you. I repent of my of my sins, of my past, the things that I'm ashamed of, the things that are so dark. And I come to you, and I trust you. I believe in your name. And you'll be saved. It's a promise. I thank you for the angels and the Holy Spirit that have been after you. He's waiting for you, and he loves you. And he forgives you. Washes you clean, white as snow. And if there's anyone who would like the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's available for you as well. Thank you, Jesus. If you ask, if you ask your father for a fish, would he give you a scorpion? No. If you ask your father for a loaf of bread, would he give you a stone? No. How much... 
More would your heavenly Father who loves you give the Holy Spirit to you who ask. <laughs> it's for you. He wants you to have him. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We praise you. Oh, so I bless you all in this holiday spirit of Christmas where Yeshua, God with us, Emmanuel, is with us now and forever. May you have rest, peace, and contentment in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Isn't that wasn't that yummy, Garrett? <laughs> isn't it amazing how um, you know you could read a scripture like that, but someone who's filled with spirit and filled with joy read you know shares that same scripture. What a father! <laughs> if you ask for this, give you that. No. Oh my goodness, so good. He's going to give us, he's a good father who gives us Holy Spirit. I want to share just a teeny bit, and then I'm going to have the prayer teams up. And if if you have uh, words of knowledge, I'd love you to give those as well. So I'm just giving you a heads up. And maybe even, I'm not sure if a couple elders or overseers want to come up for anyone that would want to receive Jesus or baptism of the Holy Spirit, though the prayer teams can do all of that too. So um, I, I would just say when you do come up, Come up with expectation. What's God going to do? Not expectation that you know everything that's going to happen, because you don't. But what's he going to do, you know? What's this good father going to do? But I just wanted to share, just because um, Cara brought it up, about about um, praying for our families. I, I, I got saved when I was in junior high, but I would say I got saved, saved. <laughs> like really saying, it's time to live my life for and with Jesus, more like when I was about a sophomore in college. And um, so I prayed a lot for my family. And uh, and some, a lot of you know the story, many of you don't, but, but Dirk, who's usually sitting right about there, um, big old beard, that's my brother, that's my actual big brother. And um, But he and Julia, his wife, are not here tonight. Uh, anyway, but so when I got when I got saved, saved in college, when I started being going getting on fire for Jesus, um, Dirk was not saved yet, and so I I just there were just a lot of times where I was, I would say it was kind of fear based, where like I learned early on, like I don't I don't want him to go to hell, like that was the motivation rather than actually just meeting Jesus and how great he is. And I'm not saying it's terrible, but I'm just saying there's a whole lot better motives and ways of going about it than that. And and so I was always pressing him and like kind of arguing things. And that's just, you know, arguing people into the kingdom isn't a really good plan. Loving them into the kingdom is a great plan. And so after a couple years, you know, and of course, when, when you're trying to press something, when it's not natural because you're trying to press something instead of just, you know, sharing the love of Jesus, it doesn't usually go well. And people, when they feel uncomfortable, what do they do? They back off and they put up their walls, you know, even if it's family. Um, and so after a while, after a couple of years of this, I, finally the Lord got my attention and said, Brent, stop it. <laughs> kind of like that. And, and just, 
just love him. Like, really? Yeah, just love him. So for years, and I don't know exactly how many years, but for a lot of years, I don't know, 15, 20 years, whatever it was, long time, the fear was gone. I wasn't afraid, like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. If my brother doesn't know, what if he goes to hell? You know, that was just gone. The Lord says, yeah, stop that. Just, just love him. Pray for him, yes, love him. And so what started happening when, when we were in gatherings, this was one of the things that really shifted because before when I would share with him cool things that God was doing, a healing or whatever, I would always share it with a little hook. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like sharing it and then don't you, don't you want Jesus right now, brother? Um, but, but what the Lord told me is just, just talk to him as you would anybody. If, if I was talking to one of you, in other words, treat him as though he's already mine. And that changed everything. Because then I just started saying, oh my gosh, the most amazing thing happened. And da 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 da. And I wasn't weird about it because I wasn't trying to think to do something with it. I was just sharing what was going on and loving him. And after years and years and years, first Julia came to Jesus. A few years later, Dirk did. In fact, one of the first times he came to Blazing Fire, for you who remember um, Graham Cook, the first time he was with us. I don't know how many years ago that was. That was one of Dirk's, I think that was his first time here. And out of a room full, we had hundreds of people there that night, five, four or five hundred, because Graham's big and we had it in a big church. And my brother was somewhere way in the back, like I did not have him come sit with me up front. (laughs) He would not have appreciated that at the time. And so he was sitting in the back and Graham called him out and prophesied over him. (laughs) And I told Graham nothing. He did not know that was my brother. I'm going, yes, Lord. (laughs) So... And now look at Dirk, you know, and this was, this was maybe, I don't know the, the number of years that was. Let's say it was eight years ago. I don't know, something like that. Now look at him. I mean, he's so full of love. He's so full of Jesus. And um, so love your family. Love them. Just treat them as, just treat them as though they're already his because they are already his. They just don't know it yet. And yes, when the opportunity comes, of course you talk about Jesus. I'm not saying you avoid the subject. Um, but just not to get weird about it. And by the way, some of my prayers, <laughs> that's just a good word right there. Just don't get weird about it. When you're tense about it, so are they. Um, and so, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, just a couple cool prayers, though, by the way, that I love is if you're praying for your family and stuff. First of all, repentance is good. Repentance is not just a one-time, I'm turning from my sins, I'm turning to you, Jesus. Repentance is anytime. Your thoughts aren't lining up with God's. Just say, Lord, I repent of that, and I'm turning back to what's true. So um, if, if ever in your mind you're thinking that one of your family members can't be saved because of whatever reason, just repent of that. Lord, I don't know how I got that in my brain that you couldn't actually love them but, and, and bring them into the kingdom, so I repent of that. Lord, I'm done with that thinking. Now, Lord, I'm, and this is some of my prayers. I say, Holy Spirit, go get them. That is such a great prayer. Holy Spirit, go get him. Go get him with your love. Go, you know, go, go, go get him. Jesus, let them see who you are. Let them see your love. Go love on them. Make yourself so irresistible they can't say no. These are some of my prayers. They're simple. It's like, just, just ask the Lord to do it. He's like, I love it. I'm on it. Okay, that was it. How, let's have the prayer teams up. I just wanted to share a little bit more because I thought it might help some of you.